Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoftal, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, is Tara Nichols from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on the Twitters. I say, as always, we haven't done this in like two months, but, you know, when we're doing it, Tara's here. Let's put it that way. Um, and, and Tara, we were talking a little bit before we get started. There's not... There's not a lot of baseball to talk about, and what there is isn't good, but we're going to try to muddle through anyway. Well, it's never stopped us before when there's okay. not a lot to talk about. But you're right. To be quite honest with uh, everyone who hasn't been paying attention to the lack of content on my Twitter as far as baseball <laughs> is concerned, I uh, have been very uninterested in the the mess just from a distance in looking at, I guess, first of all, trying to figure out who's going to do what and what they're thinking and what they really mean and what we can take by reading between the lines and all of that this time around it, it just I don't have the the mental capacity <laughs> to care as deeply about every word of, of every conversation as I have in the past and and so that's kind of made me pull back a bit from the nitty-gritty of the negotiating process and instead just kind of take this well let's wait and see what happens and then we'll talk about it when it gets their approach but at the same time you know the reality is there have been larger things going on in life and Mm -hmm. it's felt a bit strange to me to care as much as I have in the past about things uh, pertaining to baseball. And look, you know very well, I, I assume people who have listened to us in the past know that I don't say that lightly in regards to, oh, it's just baseball. Because yes, it is a game. And yes, it is just baseball in comparison to lots of other things in life. But it's also the livelihood of real people. And I'm not talking exclusively about those at the very top of that totem pole who make the most money. I'm talking about the people who in my industry work to put those games on television and cover them for the radio and for the newspaper and for magazines and for Twitter and whatever else, right? There's there's a whole uh, food chain of people who depend on this game actually happening in order to provide for themselves and their families. So I, I don't say that to take any of it, any of it lightly. It's just it's a strange mental space to be in to hear the same sort of comparisons being made between baseball negotiations and like actual legitimate horrifying war happening uh, across the ocean. Uh, so there, there have been very many days where I had to just tune out everything that had to do with baseball because I couldn't, um, I couldn't bring myself to that point where I was as worked up over it as I have been in the past, which is in part why, you know, we haven't done this as often because there just hasn't been a whole lot to say. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very possible that, you know, you could solve world war three before you could get baseball back on the, um, on the stage. It seems like, um, yeah, it's, it's a mess all the way around. Um, and it's interesting, you know, you've got a a little bit different perspective. I was talking with your church co-host, Alex, Chris fully on unusual this week. And we're both 40 something year old guys who have dealt with some of this before. And, have a lot of get off my lawn in us. Um, But, you know, you're in a different stage of life, Um, much younger that I'm not going to talk about. Um, What is this? I mean, this is really the first time you've gone through the strike stuff. And again, you're not paying as much attention to it. 
is it something that is going to be hard for you to come back to, do you think, after it's all said and done? I think the thing that will make it difficult is that, you know, in a situation that goes smoothly, you don't ever have to see all the sort of hidden back corner this is the stuff we don't really want the public to know about Mm -hmm. side of whatever it is in this case, baseball, I think what makes it hard. And this is part of that, the whole conversation, right. Of me not following it as closely is that it's very difficult to see this thing that in many different phases of my life has been a source of just a lot of great emotions and relationships and memories and hours spent during summers and, you know, all those sorts of things um, kind of boiled down to this, well, but it is actually just a business. And I think there are so many important conversations to be had about where the players fall in that hierarchy as far as the business of baseball and how workers in any environment, in any industry, are treated or compensated in comparison to the the ownership of that company and all of those things. Those are, those are big issues. Those are not mm-hmm. just baseball issues. And I think that's why, you know, it kind of gets lost a little bit in the flow of that because it's, it's this baseball game. It's this pa- national pastime, right? It's this thing that brings so much of us so much joy um, and, and so much, entertainment and again creates these moments in our lives that feel really special and really important and and really memorable um but so far removed from kind of our real lives and then to make baseball real life is a really hard crossover in how you think about it and how you um kind of defend it in some way so sort of got a little off track there to answer your question, though. Yes, I think it will be a little bit strange for me to come back to it, at least in terms of, I guess, the intensity that I followed it and was invested in it. And, you know, we've talked about this before, because I I have covered sports in kind of that real life part of my world with my with my work. I've had a slightly different perspective on it for a while now, but it's still been kind of that escape from the grind of everyday normal work stuff because I loved it so much. And now that we're seeing it exposed as very clearly, this is a business, not that we have never had that conversation before, um, but a business above all else. Mm -hmm. And, seeing it, I guess, in in both respects from the ownership that's clearly making these decisions and pushing a a certain direction, which we can talk about later, um, for their own monetary gain. Um, But similarly, you know, from the player's perspective, yeah, they all want to play because they love baseball, but they also want to make sure the business of baseball is structured in a way that is beneficial to them and the players that come after them. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it takes a little bit of the mystery away. It takes a little bit of the spark away that you can just kind of watch a game and zone out of real life, which maybe (laughs) is sort of that naivety that we like to apply to sports, but kind of goes away when you're dealing with some sort of labor dispute like this one. 
Yeah, this. You're right. You don't really want to see how the sausage is made, and we exactly yeah. What you have, it's uh, it's difficult to perhaps see it on your plate. Uh, it's, you know, it's always been like this to some degree. You're right. I mean, it's in you know some years more than others. I mean, look, we've been fortunate over the last twenty five years that most of these things they get a little snippy with each other or whatever, but they settle out pretty well. But and I think we talked about it a lot when we saw the uh, kind of nastiness, basically, I guess it's the best way to say it, of 2020, of trying to figure out when you're going to play. And the players basically finally saying, look, you tell us when to be there, we'll be there. But you don't get any of your changes or some of your changes. And then they gave them the changes, too. Um, but still, that idea that... Um, you know, they couldn't come up with something in the middle of a pandemic when everybody was hurting. You couldn't, you know, say, hey, let's try to make the best for the game, not necessarily the best for us. You know, that means, you know, when you get to 2022 and, you know, there is no, not as much of a health issues to talk about, um, you know, the masks are already dropped and, and they're going to push as hard as they can. Um and it's, you know, it's very frustrating as us as fans to, to watch this. I think it's going to be more frustrating for at least some fans. Um, if the players wind up giving away most of everything that they've been fighting for, um, you know, today they've talked about, apparently they agreed contingently to allow the league just to make changes to the game. Um, you know, at least, uh, to put in a pitch clock, larger bases, uh, restrict the shift. They could do that in the twenty three in twenty three season if they wanted to. Which normally, right now, at earliest would be twenty four. They've dropped their, you know, they've, I've heard there's some discussion about going back to that fourteen team playoff thing, which is a mess. Um, it, it just feels like the farther and farther we get down this road, the less and less the players are actually going to get out of this. And I think for most people watching this, at least online and the ones that are really devoted to baseball if we're going to lose games we'd like to see something good come out of it and right now you know it feels like that's going farther and farther away as well yeah and i think that's part of what makes this frustrating but also important to explain correctly because this is not simply about the size of paychecks for the players, right? There's so much more involved in the way things are changing. And, uh, you know, the kind of drumbeat for all of these postseason changes is because it makes more money for the league. It makes more money mm -hmm. for the owners, right? That part is not a secret. Um, you know, I think it's, it's even in terms of, you know, how much money a team can spend, whether there is a sort of de facto cap to those salaries or whatever it is, right? All of those things come into play in kind of not just determining what the paychecks look like, but in determining how competitive a team has to be, which has a lot of ripple effects on the rest of the league and on who makes it to the playoffs and on, you know, those players individually getting stuck on a bad team and mm -hmm. not being able to do anything about it, especially young superstar talent players. And that you know, all of those things come into play in, addition to all of these strange rule changes that quite honestly I don't know how anyone sees them as a, a real benefit to the game of baseball or even honestly to the 
kind of money you make at a stadium. Like it's just, it's bizarre to me that these are the things that the players are having to give up because that's what the owners are insisting on. When I don't feel like that makes the game better and it certainly doesn't make it more appealing to the masses in order to generate more income. You know, it almost feels like these are things that the owners are pushing for because they thought the players wouldn't agree to them because Mm -hmm. they're so bizarre. And now the players are like, fine, we're going to call your bluff. Let's do it. Get a move on. And then we'll see what else happens. Those are the kinds of things that we've heard from players were kind of tacked on to the MLB offer at the 11th hour before their sort of arbitrary deadline last week, right? Was that, oh, by the way, we've added all these things. Um, Good luck. Either agree to it or we don't play. And it just, it's such a bizarre tactic because it doesn't feel like it is truly to the benefit of baseball, which isn't shocking. The commissioner of the league seems to not actually like baseball the way that it's been played forever. Um, But it's also not to the benefit. It doesn't really seem to serve much of a purpose other than to just be um, you know, another point of contention. Well, and, and to, for the players to come out today and, and do these things, and then for MLB to say, well, we've taken a step back, um, and this is getting worse. And it's like, well, how is yeah, this possible? Yeah, you pushed it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, and, and I mean, it, it's like they're, they're trying to agree with, you know, they're giving you what you want, and it's like, like you said, it's almost like, well, we can't agree to that because we want them out longer than this. So we're going to, well, you know. And I believe the last time we talked, which was like seven years ago, mm-hmm. um, we discussed that factor, right? That it feels like there's so much contention and there's such a um, an agreement on the ownership side of things that they've, been, they've wanted a shorter season for a long time. Yeah. And th- in the pandemic year, it felt like, they had already decided in their collective brains that we're only going to pay for this many games. And so we're going to drag out this quote unquote negotiation process. Cause it's not a negotiation if you never plan to negotiate. Right. Um, so we're going to drag it out until there are only that many games left. And then we'll come to some sort of agreement. It has felt like that all along. And I think in the last few days we've seen, repeated reports of hey they're gonna miss the first maybe 25 games of the season surprise surprise they get paid for those games on their tv contracts whether there are games or not Mm -hmm. so magically if they by game 26 can start the season it's going to be very clear that there was a lot of intention behind this and i think that's part of back to your initial question that's part of why it's so hard to think about being excited about baseball happening is because once you realize that's what's going on, it takes away a little bit from that feeling of, Hey, (laughs) you know, we're trying to build a winning team. We're trying to win a championship. We're trying, no, you're trying to make sure that your bottom line doesn't have to change because the product on the field demands uh, an increase compared to the rest of inflation in life. (laughs) So it, it just, it's a, Yes, the, for the ownership, for MLB, for the league to say, oh, uh, you agree to those changes? <laughs> Actually, uh, we take it back. Mm-hmm. It just, it's like, did, did you not think that the players were going to want to play those games? Because 
I feel like they do not only to get paid, but because they like to do their jobs, please. And the thing that they have given their entire life to, to perfect as a skill set as best they can. Um, and the ownership doesn't want to pay for the first part of the season for whatever reason, at least as it appears. And they've given me no reason to think otherwise since the time that we last talked up until this most recent round of reports that seem to point to that very thing. Yeah. I mean, in ownership is, you know, they've kind of pointed out, well, they haven't other people that have talked about, thought about what the owners are doing here. You know, April is like the worst month for baseball. If you're an owner, because there's, you know, schools in session, bad way, you know, bad weather, fan base is, is low, whatever, you know, you get your opening day, but then after that, it kind of goes pot. Um, you know, I am a little bit surprised that the ownership hasn't just come up and, you know, suggested, Hey, May 1st is our deadline. You know, this is when we're going to play, start playing ball every year and just shut your, and cut the schedule down. I don't think the players would go for that, but then again, I'm getting to the point where I'm, I'm afraid the players will agree to anything. Um, as, as I've said, I, and I don't, I don't want that. I mean, they, they're holding firm in some parts, but it feels like anything related to changing the game, not the economics, mm-hmm. they're kind of easily just, okay, we'll get rid of it. We'll, we're not going to hold, we're not going to hold firm on that. Uh, we'll give you that. Um, and I, I get you negotiation. You got to give and you've got to, it, it takes two teams to negotiate too. Uh, I've been told just, this a time or yeah, two. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? So, um, <laughs> So you got to give up something, and I get that. But, you know, so far, we haven't seen ownership really give up much of anything, it doesn't feel yeah. like. Um, the closest we got was when they went from 14 teams to 12 teams as an expanded playoff system. Um, they wanted 14, and they said, oh, we'll go 12. And then, you know, in their um, attempt on Monday night to try to make it sound like things were close before pulling the rug out from underneath the players, Um you know, it just it doesn't feel like when we read these negotiations and, you know, we're not in the room. We don't know how things are going necessarily, but it feels like anytime I'm hearing about somebody giving up something, the players are making the steps and the ownership is kind of, you know, still dragging their feet. And that, you know, competitive, um, you know, payroll tax, um, you know, they're not moving off their numbers. Um, and I know that the players have come down some. It just. I don't know. It, it, it does not feel like two sides negotiating in good faith. And that's very frustrating when you're sitting on the outside wanting something to happen. Yeah. And I think that's the other piece of this whole thing that is the biggest turnoff when you look at this, because it's not a negotiation, right? It's mm-hmm. ultimately based on what we've seen. As much as we want to talk about, hey, the players are in a different era now where they feel comfortable to speak out and to share their side of the story and to defend themselves and to, you know, try to do what is right for the player side of things in a way that's different than they were able to do 20 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. That's true. But I think what we're seeing is the fact that they are able and willing to speak out still doesn't change the power dynamic in the business side of the game. And the reality is the owners locked out the players. The owners are deciding to not cooperate. And look, are there things that the players want that I would probably say, well, that maybe isn't totally necessary. I don't know. I'm not in the room. Like I said, Mm -hmm. I haven't been paying attention to every single X and every single O of the process because that's not my issue with it. My issue with it is... It's not a negotiation if you're ultimately just, 
well, giving ultimatums and playing your control card every time you're not getting what you want and shutting down the conversation. That's not a negotiation. That's not the way that anyone um, does business well and fairly. And so if we're going to strip away all the magic of everything that baseball is from sort of that enjoyment standpoint and talk about it only as a business, which is what this conversation has been. Mm -hmm. And yet we like to think that we're in a different era where the players' voices matter and they can, you know, whatever. Um, They're still in this power dynamic that doesn't actually allow them to do anything without the league saying, yeah, okay, we'll do that. And so they still hold all the keys. They still literally and figuratively, <laughs> uh, they literally or they still hold uh, all the the decision making power to allow a season to happen or not to have a season or what that actually looks like because they, they don't want a negotiation. They want to say, here's our list of demands. <laughs> uh, agree to it and play or don't agree to it and don't play. And, but don't agree to it too quickly. But don't agree to it before we're ready for you to agree to it, because then we're just going to add to the list of demands. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's wild. It's wild that that's what this has come down to. And I don't know. Again, like you said, this is the first time I'm seeing it as vividly. Um, and even without paying very close attention to it, it's it's just disappointing, I think, to see it... Um, so to see the imbalance taken advantage of so significantly and look, I get it. The owner of any business likely has more of a say in what happens with that business than the employees. Mm-hmm. Um, but a good business is going to take into account the, the things that make the overall product better. And in this case, as we've said time and time again, the players are the product and what they put on the field is what will make these teams successful and not trying to pinch pennies everywhere that they can when this isn't even their primary source of income. Mm -hmm. Let's be real. Nobody owns a, we've been told over and over again, right? Nobody owns a baseball team to get rich, which means their wealth comes from somewhere else. And yet it's baseball that all of these ownership groups want to, uh, you know, keep, keep taking dollars away from, um, in order to protect that very minimal uh, multi-million dollar profit. Yeah. And I mean, you, you don't get rich in baseball because you're already rich to be in baseball. Exactly. You can't have to buy one of these teams on, you know, what's left in your wallet um, at the end of the week. Um, if you could, I think a few more of us fans would have one, right? Um, mm-hmm. But they also means that they know well, one, they have other, but they also know how to, you know, again, you know, there's a lot of talk about opening the books and let us see how the books are, but I don't think that would tell us much, right? I mean, there's no doubt that through various companies and corporations, you've got, you know, like even for the Cardinals, they've got Ballpark Village and, and the money they make there would not show up in the Cardinals right. books. And if they wanted to, and I'm not saying that they do, but I think there are some ownerships that do, you know, that there's a lot of those expenses get pushed onto baseball and some of that revenue gets pushed onto the uh, other companies and it's not a fair picture. And I know that, you know, a lot of people talk about the book Lord of the Re- Lords of the Realms by John Hayer. It's a good book. I read a long while back. 
Um, and there's those ideas that, you know, like when the Cubs and the, were owned by WGN and the Tribune company owned both of them, you know, they just didn't charge market value on their uh, rates for putting them on the, on the ball, on the, uh, on TV because they were paying themselves basically. So, you know, that looked differently than it would. So um, there's a lot of tricks. There's a lot of juggling around that teams can do. And so it's hard to say, just show us the books. I don't, I don't know that that works as well, but there is obviously nobody getting poor in baseball. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't have people like Steve Cohen buying a team for, what, half a billion dollars or more than a billion? I don't remember what he paid for it. Uh, it was a lot, a lot more than I'm ever going to have. Um, if if they weren't making money, nobody would want to buy. You know, people would be selling. Um, so, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a mess of a situation it is, as I've said before, it's just a symptom of, of everything, I think, in society to some degree going to the extremes as the owners, you know, are not happy with yeah, $15, 20000000 million a year and they have to have $25 million mm-hmm. a year or whatever, you know. I mean, it's, I imagine a lot of this stuff is not going to save them just a ton of money, you know, overall. Right. Um, you know, we've talked about this, uh, the pool that they've talked about for pre-arbitration people and it's like, each team's going to have to chip in like $2 million or something like that. And it's like, that's nothing to, to them, but you know, they don't want to spend it if they don't have to. And um, that doesn't make for the betterment of the game. Um, no. To, go ahead. And I, I think, you know, it all, <laughs> cause I can't not tie it back to minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it all kind of just magnifies what that conversation was about in light of, he mentioned, oh, it only cost him $2 million. Well, mm-hmm. the the total to increase the amount that minor league players are paid um, to a, a fairly livable amount of money would be like paying one kind of low-level reliever for a year, right? It's not like we're talking about these massive contracts that are talking are taking up massive chunks of their payroll. It's the same conversation that these changes are not what's going to make or break the profit margins for the ownership of baseball, which is why I I think as much as anything, as much as we tend to boil it all down to money, I think the layer underneath that is that it's not as much in its entirety about the actual dollars and cents as it is the power in that, power dynamic to control the dollars and cents as well as the way contracts are written and and all of those other things that the ownership doesn't want to concede um you know in any any major way this is this is totally my opinion and very subjectively speaking um but not just because of the books but because it kind of gives way to this sense of being untouchable by the players. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if they give here on whatever it is, what else are they going to have to give up that then gives the players, um, you know, an advantage in some way or another in, in their perception. So it's, it's, if it's not money, it's power. And that's unfortunately the way that this entire world works. But in this case, specifically the very, ugly business of baseball. So I'm reading up a little bit about what could happen if 
it goes down, which a path that really looks like it's going down to and where they can't come up with anything. Um, because I think a lot of us would like to think that, okay, maybe it's, we're still at that point, right? Where they've only canceled a week. You got to figure they're probably going to cancel on next week pretty soon, but just because you got to have about a month or so of, of spring training. But in theory, if they could come up with something soon, we wouldn't miss too much. But as, it, as that doesn't seem to be happening, you get into that. And, and again, major league baseball has used these, some of these terms pretty recently. In fact, in the, in the article today, uh, they say we're deadlocked. Um, if you get to the impasse part, you know, MLB could say, Hey, we've made our best offer. They have to take it. Um, and then which case MLB is going to sue or the, you know, the players are going to sue. Um, also the players could do a, uh, unfair labor practice. So either way, both of those things are month long things, if not more. Yeah. I, I really didn't feel like we would lose the 22 season, but Boy, it's starting to get a little bit more likely that we're not going to see baseball. We may not see baseball again at all this year. Yeah. You know, I think there were two ways of thinking about this after the 2020 season went the way that it did. And I'm sure we talked about this thinking, okay, as tense and as painful and as um, just full of that angst Mm -hmm. as those negotiations were, will this be even worse? Or would that have been the moment for everyone to say, Hey, this actually wasn't great for the game. And uh, we all make more money if the game is healthy and thriving and growing. So let's kind of take a step back and see how we can keep that the focus rather than how do I keep control over the situation? Um, unfortunately, that is not the way that it went because we do not live in that world. No. And instead, it's gone to the place of, hey, I would rather make sure you get nothing than to give up any part of what I am saying I want. And um, unfortunately, I do think that is a possibility. I think to your point earlier about the players continuing to give up on things that they had said they wouldn't agree to at some point there's going to come a make or break moment for the players because the ownership the owners are not likely to be the ones to cave right because they have there's no leverage against them in that regard um and like i said i think they're more worried about not giving up the things that there are most important to them than they are about losing it entirely which is wild but that's a whole nother mm-hmm. piece of this conversation um so either the players are going to give in to a game that isn't what they want to play that doesn't solve any of the issues that were there um when we started talking about this a couple of years ago but it gives them the chance to play a season and get paid for it and continue their their work and their craft and all of those things um you know or they're gonna have to put their foot down and say look this is gonna this is going to hurt the game of baseball and it's going to hurt the fan base of baseball. It's going to hurt young players who are seeing this as their, their first taste of what baseball looks like on a professional level. Um, And it's going to hurt the game, but in the long run, it will make for a better environment if the game comes back and builds back from it. We've seen the game do that before, um, but it lost a lot of fans in that process and it, it took a big hit. 
and it needed some pretty dramatic things to happen as far as the game and the players and the way baseball took off after that um, and who the superstars were, I guess, to rebound a little bit. And the the frustrating thing, I, I guess, from where I sit is that if I am losing interest as someone who has poured into the game so much, I can't imagine people who casually watch the game uh, feeling a need to dive back into it if baseball's gone for a whole year. Uh, I guess the flip side of that could be uh, they're not paying enough attention <laughs> to notice why baseball is gone for a year and they'll watch it when it comes back just as casually as they ever did before. But, um, you know, it's it's hard to imagine, like I said at the beginning, it's hard to imagine being as invested as I have been in years past if this continues down this road and either takes up some or all of a baseball season that, uh, that, that could have been used to make the game what it can be with the incredible athletes and the incredible players that it has within the ranks today. It's a little bit like arbitration here. You know, it's the players and the management get into a room and, they, you know, tell about how terrible each other are, and then they have to come out and actually, you know, work together and play together and try to put it all behind them. Um, I don't know the fans are going to be willing to do that, especially if you lose a significant amount of time. Um, you know, uh, no people that never really recovered from 94, 95, that never really came back to the game, at least not to the level that they had been. Yeah. Um, nowadays, with baseball already having those kind of issues, you know, especially on a national level, national popularity, it's hard to imagine. You know, it's very easy to see people just, uh, you know, and we, we saw a little bit of that with the uh, with twenty twenty, right? I mean, it was kind of like, mm -hmm. okay, after after missing it for two or three months, it, we had, you know, people filled the time. Um, you know, if if they're filling the time, at, you know, at that point in time when they needed some sort of entertainment. And now there's so many other options, so many different things you can do now that we seem to be coming out of this pandemic that, you know, it's going to be very difficult to, to see them, you know, people start really carving out this time of their day to sit down and watch a baseball game if they've gotten used to, to not. So, and um, that's why it's just so, sorry, not to jump in again, no, but that's why it's, it's so strange to me that no one involved in this process on the ownership side seems care to care about that at all. Now I, I say it's strange. It's not unexpected because we've talked a lot about how the owners in this game right now have such a short sighted view of what success mm -hmm. in baseball looks like. And that goes from everything that we're talking about in this negotiation to the way that they market the game to current fans, to the way that they, make it accessible to new fans to the way that they deal with minor league players and all of that, which conveniently not a part of this conversation because yeah, they're not part of the union. <laughs> um, but th that's their long-term view of what is good for baseball. Um, again, it's more about what is good for their baseball business and not what is good for baseball the game. But I would argue that what's best for their baseball business is for the success of the game to continue to grow. And this absolutely stops that in a tracks. And, and I just, I'm not a, a business professional in that sense. Um, but I can't imagine any scenario in which losing an entire season and 
alienating players and fans in the process is actually going to be good for that bottom line when baseball inevitably does come back. I, yeah, I can't imagine it is either. Um, I did want to, in fact, before we wrap it up, I did want to transition though a little bit to the minor leagues, because like you said, a lot of them, unfortunately there are people that got added to the 40 man this off season who are going to kind of be stuck in limbo, right? We've talked about those. Uh, uh, you got people like, uh, you know, Juan Yepes added to the, added to there, has yet to play, can't go practice and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, a lot of the Cardinals, especially a lot of the Cardinals, bigger prospects, Gorman, Libertor, others than that, will be in spring training. They'll start their camp this week. Um, opening day for the teams will be, you know, what, mid early April. Does this give... And I'm not saying that major league, minor league baseball has struggled because, uh, you know, unless you listen to MLB when they're cutting teams, it doesn't seem to have. Um, but it also feels like this gives minor league baseball another chance to really get in that spotlight, right? Of people that want to see baseball um, so, and more likely to be able to go to a minor league game and maybe more likely to get out and do so when there's not a baseball going on outside. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit, this might seem strange, but a little bit torn about it because yes, it's going to be a brilliant opportunity for minor league teams to highlight what they have to offer and to highlight those players. Um, what's frustrating to me is, and I don't know, maybe this sounds petty, but I think it may be warranted in this case. And it also shouldn't be surprising. It's minor league players that I'm talking about. Um, (laughs) What is, I guess, kind of discouraging to me is that last season, the Major League office took over all of minor league baseball. So the attention that is paid and the sales of tickets that are there um, still directly benefit Major League Baseball to some extent. And it's, it's still allowing sort of good PR to happen um, without the league addressing any of the issues that needed to be addressed. Mm. Um, So if you can see past that, then yes, absolutely. Go support (laughs) minor league baseball games uh, and and minor league teams, many of which are not owned by their major league affiliate, although more now are than were previously because (laughs) weirdly enough, those teams got cut when Mm. MLB uh, downsized their minor league operations Um, but the players are still doing what they love to do and doing what is leading them towards a dream. The living scenario has gotten mildly better because of the changes made, um, in the last couple of years, as far as living arrangements and some of the, the salaries and that sort of thing. Although I would just say that the living arrangement thing, as I think we discussed here, if not, I certainly said it on Twitter, um, it sounded better than it is in actuality because there are a lot of loopholes and there are a lot of um, other issues that it created rather than solved. For example, if a team is providing, and I don't know that this is the case in every situation, but in the in many, if a team is providing um, any sort of housing, they're then not giving them the option of a housing allowance instead, which means that a player that is married or has a family 
uh, either has to live in an apartment with other players and their family or not get any sort of compensation for living in the city they have to be in to play and not make enough money to pay for rent, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. there are loopholes like that that <laughs> were disguised by the good PR of saying, hey, we're going to pay for housing for all of these minor league players, uh, but sort of, not actually for all of them, just for the ones that um, kind of do it how you uh, want them to, which <laughs> doesn't solve the problem. So I'll step back off the soapbox long enough to say, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's cool in some ways that the spotlight is there for minor league baseball to step into. Um, you know, I saw 25,000 fans at a college baseball game yesterday. So mm. the, the desire to watch baseball players at any level is certainly there. And these minor league players deserve to have that spotlight. There are a lot of them that are more incredible than there is ever recognized because there's just not enough um, attention given to their careers and to their stories along the way. Um, and you know, the biggest difference between them and the big leaguers that we do watch every day is just the consistency. They're just that close, Mm -hmm. but they don't do it as consistently in some cases. And, um, so you get a chance to see that, that process a little bit, which is awesome. Um, but I guess my point is keep in mind, the only reason that they're getting to play right now in conditions that still deserve to be talked about, um, is because they're not protected by a union and they don't get a say in what their career looks like or what their um, employment looks like. They just go and do when MLB tells them to go and do. And that's why they're playing while the big leaguers aren't. It's a little bit surprising that to me, and I don't know all the ramifications. I know there's probably reasons and stuff like that, but that the major league players association hasn't expanded to bring in minor leaguers. You know, that they cover that. And it, maybe it's just because that's just too much. But it's also surprising that there hasn't been a, you know, somebody try to take on a, a minor league um, union thing. I, you know, again, I, I don't know all the rules about and all that would go into that, but it sure seems like they need one. Um, yeah. Desperately. Um, because when you look at, even with the, uh, the, the increases in pay and like you said, the somewhat housing allowance, depending or housing, depending on, whether they can accept it or not, um, it's still remarkably bad but to the point that, you know, I'm not sure how AAA guys make it, yeah. much less the guys that are in single A that are basically, I'd say they're playing for meal money, but I don't think they get paid that. So, um, it's, Only on it, the road. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is an issue. And all these issues that need to be worked out, and there's just nobody to stand up for them that has any kind of power. And that's why it'd be nice if, you know, and I get the major leaguers have, have tried to do some things here and there, you know, and, but they haven't necessarily made that a focus of their negotiations here. Um, you know, I think we would have a lot more, maybe we could even argue a little bit more about, okay, we'll give you that 14 team playoff. If, you know, 20% of that money goes to the minor leagues, to the minor league players, no. you know, because that right there would, you know, fix everything. I think to some degree for those guys, <laughs> not everything, but a lot of it. I mean, that would be a yeah. lot of money going into the minor league system for salaries and such. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, it would be nice to see something like that, but 
that's not there yet. And at least they are still playing and getting a chance to, to be out there because I mean, I don't think, I think the only thing worse would have been for them in 2020 when they didn't get to play, which meant very hard to get paid as well. Um, that most of those players couldn't do that again. Um, yeah. And so, um, so yeah, if you're in shouting distance of a minor league park, especially in this first part of the season, probably get out there and cause that may be all the baseball you're going to get for a while. <laughs> And um, just on a an, an enjoyment note, minor league yes. baseball games are a lot of fun. They are. It's a different atmosphere. It, you're closer to the game. It's uh, it's a it's a different thing. And you know, if you go knowing this isn't quite what major league baseball is for a lot of reasons, uh, none the least of which is my local minor league team has like a whole amusement park on one side of the concourse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which you know somewhere. is what it is, but the the environment just for an entertaining and enjoyable evening out in the summer is wonderful and you can go and do and all of it for way less than a major league game costs you and Mm -hmm. um you know enjoy some baseball see some potential superstars before they're superstars and support those dreams as well so it's just from that standpoint alone i know i I probably seemed super pessimistic in saying (laughs) the only reason they're playing is because they don't have any representation but minor league baseball is awesome and i i have fallen in love with it time and time again and it's um you know an exciting opportunity to go see them so definitely do if you have the chance it's also a lot less stressful because i don't think i've gone to a minor league game where i necessarily really care about the outcome i mean i have a preference but if they don't win it's a shame i guess (laughs) but um it's also but you can just enjoy the game for the game exactly i mean there are times you know you're hanging out and especially in, in good weather and you know, you're watching it, and um, and it's it's a lot of fun. So hopefully, people that haven't gone will go, and people that have gone will go, and uh, there'll be these nice stories about the resurgence of minor league baseball, and maybe that will force the owners to, to you know publicly force them to do a little bit. Probably won't, but we can start. We can try. All right. Well, that's about all we've got about the non-existent sport <laughs> that we're following. Uh, Tara and I'll be back at some point in time, you know, maybe next month uh, we can check back in and, or, you know, if they come up with an agreement this week, then maybe we'll have something to talk about um, sooner than that. But until next time for Tara, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search gateway to baseball heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.